Man. Amen. I'm going to invite Brother Hart to come and, and minister to us, share what uh, the Lord may have given to him for us today. And uh, I'm just looking forward to what the Lord's going to do. Amen. Brother Hart. Amen. Appreciate uh, Brother Flowers. I'm glad he moved this out here because I think I would have had a little harder time <laughs> lifting our new pulpit down. <laughs> I'm sure you all would have loved to see that, though. Picturing that in my head as he brought this over. So now you can enjoy that image too. <laughs> Amen. I, uh, I, I feel some, some specific things from the Lord this morning, but just kind of pre service, my, my pre pre service prayer uh, as I was just fellowshipping with the Lord and. Honestly, just meditating on him a little bit, I, I walked down uh, to the park by my house and early in the morning, and I like doing a couple laps and just kind of clearing my head in the mornings and getting a little bit of exercise, and I, I just began to think about things that the Lord had done, and not even specific to my life, but just through, through Scripture. Um, and I was just kind of moving in somewhat of a chronological order, and I believe as the Lord was was bringing it to my uh, to my mind, and just as as we were in in worship this morning, I felt uh, felt a little nudge in my spirit to to maybe speak for a few minutes about that and to uh, to give us some faith here this morning, um, and we'll see what see where the Lord takes it after that. Amen. For sake of time, I won't turn to all of the places in, in my short 30-minute walk that he, he kind of brought me to, but just it began with, with Abraham, thinking about Abraham, and the fact that the Lord that is here today, and if you have the Holy Ghost, the Lord that lives inside of you, is the same God who was the God of Abraham back in the Old Testament. It was the same God who told Abraham and inspired Abraham that said, okay, Abraham, it's time for you to leave your country, leave your kinfolks, and have some blessings. I have some promises for you. And here's the first step of that, to, to move, to, to leave. And I'm, go to a land that I will show you. So he gave him step one of, move, step, I think he told him the direction, but where and what the land actually was followed his initial step, followed him walking by faith and trusting in the voice and the inspiration, the idea of the Lord. And as the Lord kind of started taking me through these different individuals and examples, I, what stood out to me most was of course, the Lord always being there and being present in each of these individual situations, but then also the, the action of each of the individuals, the, the involvement that, that was required of them in each situation. With Abraham, it's, it's, he's called the father of faith, not because of what the Lord spoke to him, but because of his obedience and his action that followed what the Lord said to him. And that, that takes place in Genesis chapter 12, where that first comes to him, says, hey, Abraham, like, get up and leave. But then we see it confirmed in chapter 15 of Genesis, and then again in chapter 17 of Genesis. And with each step, the promise gets, seems to get bigger and bigger and become more and more confirmed. And he goes and moves and, and just enters into it. But it started with just some inspiration, started with just a word that maybe in the moment most likely seemed a little crazy. History shows that with Abraham, him and his, his father, especially in the land of, of the Chaldees, where he was from, were, they were uh, makers of idols. That was their occupation. That was their job. And there, was, there were innumerable. There were so many of them that that's, that's how they made their money, by making these little shrines and idols and whatever they, whatever they consisted of. And now there's this God that has no image yet, has no revealed image, that just speaks to him, just inspires him, and says, 
I want to show you the real thing. I want to show you something more. And so he acted, he stepped, he walked in faith. And that same God who inspired Abraham is the God that we serve today. And the God whose presence that we feel in this room today. And, and if, again, if you have the Holy Ghost, it's the same God lives inside of you today. And then you can just, again, as, as I did, just kind of meditated through Scripture. You can go on, and, and some of it was chronological, some of it was a little out of order, but you can see the Noah, the inspiration of the Lord that came to Noah in those evil days and said, Noah, I want you to build an ark, and I'm going to rain on the earth and destroy it. But if you build this ark, it'll be your salvation. And what started just as an idea and a word from God, over the course of the next 120 years, his faith acted on. And there's no record in Scripture that the Lord spoke to him again until the ark was completed and what he spoke happened. But he acted, he stepped, he walked, and because of it, the, his whole house, his whole family was saved. And God was with him through it. God was with him on the boat. He didn't say, build the ark and then figure it out from there. No, he gave him clear and distinct instructions and he acted on it he stepped in faith and became his salvation and another instance that came to my mind was was esther queen esther you know she she didn't really have a choice to be among all those women who went before the king to be selected essentially of for his new wife or his new bride because he was mad at his 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 last one and so because he's the king he can just do whatever he wants and so he decides to gather up all of the uh essentially the eligible <laughs> women of the land and have them come before him and choose and of course it was the lord that was with esther that allowed her to be chosen and it's kind of it's kind of an interesting fact but the book of esther is actually the one book in the bible that doesn't mention God by name, doesn't say God or Lord, but we still know there's evidence that he was there. He was with Esther. His people were there. But you know, Esther gets chosen, and then the story unfolds, and she becomes queen, and something she never would have expected. I'm sure she didn't plan her life to be queen. She didn't, I'm sure she didn't go through queen training in her teenage years and which she was probably only a teenager when she was chosen but I don't think she was raised at least with her understanding to be a queen but with the plan of God every step every junction that she came to was was for that purpose for that day of course it's where the famous scripture of were you not chosen for such a day as this such a time as this but then what's amazing is we realize that her purpose was more than just to be a queen and be there and be present, but it was, again, to save her people. And with, between her and her uncle, this, this idea came, this thought, this inspiration from God. But they still had to act on it. They still had to confidently, she did, Esther did, had to confidently walk into the king's court with fear and, and a risk of her life being taken because of walking in uninvited and coming in, no doubt, probably bowing and hoping that he would extend that scepter and, and accept her to come in. And, but she walked in faith. She acted in faith because she knew that the purpose was bigger than her own life. The risk was more worth her own life. And what started as just an idea, again, from, from her uncle, he said, they kind of devised this plan, this is what you're going to do. And, and then she also, she, she had some, a smart plan herself where she was getting, is it Mordecai or is that her uncle? She was getting Naaman, Naaman caught in his act of trying to kill her uncle and, you know, she throws these banquets and, but all of it was her walking in faith. The Lord didn't tell her, okay, here's the plan. This is step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now do that. And she just had to step each step. She said, okay, Lord, I'm at this step. 
my life could be taken as I go into this king's court today, but I'm trusting and believing that you're with me, my life is yours, it's in your hands. And, of course, we know the story. The tables turn, and Naaman gets caught and killed with the gallows that he had made for Mordecai. Mordecai gets put in, in the place, the position that Naaman was in, and everything gets turned around, and the favor of God was in that situation. And that same God is here today. He's with us. He's ordering our steps. He's directing our paths. And the same God who is the God of Moses, who kept him in Pharaoh's house, who inspired him to go back to Egypt after he'd been in the wilderness for 40 years with a fear of his life because he had killed an Egyptian 40 years before, before he left Egypt. But the Lord said, no, the ones who wanted to kill you, they're all dead. Go back. And with, again, with an inspiration of the first step is what he acted on. The entire plan wasn't laid out, just the first step. And he went, and of course, you know the story, that God who delivered millions of Israelites from the hand of the Egyptians and brought plagues upon Egypt to, to mock their gods, that same God is with us today. And he hasn't changed despite the circumstances of the world that we face that look however big or however dark, he's the same. The circumstances, the situations, those all may be different. The steps that we have to take may be different. They might, they might be, each one might look a little more scary, a little darker, a little more unsure. But just as he led each of those people and was with each of those people through every step, he's with each of us. Just kind of one other, maybe two, individuals that come to mind was Gideon. The Lord called him a mighty man of valor. Yet when he came to him, his angel came to him, he was hiding behind a, I think it was either a wine press or a... Um, where they ground meal, mill, whatever. He was hiding there out of fear of the Amorites, I think. Sorry, I didn't go read all these stories this morning. Forgive me for my <laughs> fuzziness of the facts, but you know the highlights. And it was that man, Gideon, who at, at first was hiding, afraid of them coming and taking his little bit of food that went with an army of 300-some men against thousands in a valley. And you know what's amazing about Scripture is, and again, I could be wrong, I didn't go read it all this morning, but if my memory is correct. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where the Lord gave him the idea of the pitchers and the lights in the pitcher and them blowing the horns and breaking them. Again, I could be wrong. But I don't think scripture records that the Lord said, do this. But it was, of course, the leading of the Lord that got his army from just a few thousand, which they were still unsure about going against this other army, got that down to just a few hundred. And somewhere along the way in that process of him taking steps following the Lord, even though their numbers were shrinking, I believe Gideon's faith was increasing. Because that's, that's the process of faith. As we walk by faith, as we step in faith, our faith is going to increase because every step of faith that we take, we realize, okay, wow, God is with me. God is true. This is working. I'm being obedient, and what he's saying to do from that last step is happening, and more than I could have expected. So with just 300 men and some pitchers and some horns, without even having to lift a sword, they in the middle of the night, blow their horns, break their pitchers, and the army below does the rest. And God, who is there with them, the God of Gideon, is what they said. That, and this is another fun fact of that story. Is an, uh, I don't know if it's an angel, but one of the soldiers from that other army actually had a dream in the middle of the night. 
believe is a dream from, I don't know if it's from the Lord, I guess it would have to be the Lord to the foreknowledge of it. And his dream was that the sword of Gideon was coming into the camp. And again, Gideon didn't even have to lift a sword in that battle for them to walk away victorious. You can see kind of the progression of that story, which is not super long there in Scripture, but where it started in his place of timidity, of fear, of uncertainty, of intimidation, of hiding, not sure what the next step would take, not even sure maybe where his next meal would come from, to then being God's mighty man of valor and a confidence that came from the Lord as he took the next step. And took the next step. And took the next step. And you would think, okay, with each step, his army would get bigger. But again, it, his army dwindled. His army decreased. Because God was, I believe, showing him this battle is not going to be won by your hand or the hand of men. But it's going to be won by the hand of the Lord. As you walk in faith. As your steps are ordered. And that same God is with us today fighting our battles, going before us. And the last, the last one that I just want to mention that I think of is, is Joseph, who had, he had these dreams, right, in his father's house as a young boy. And... You know, some would say it was not very wise of him to share them or to share all of them with his family, with his brothers, because they, you know, they mocked him for it and said, what do you mean we're going to bow to you? They understood at least that much of the dream that he was the big sheaf or, and I can't, again, I can't remember all the imagery of the dreams, but then I know the one was of stars and, and then the moon, which was his parents, and all of them were like, what do you mean we're going to bow to you? Obviously, again, the story unfolds with one step out of his control, out of his, out of his will. It wouldn't have been his plan to get betrayed by his own brothers, sold into slavery, then be in Potiphar's house and then be lied on by Potiphar's wife, completely having his identity continually stripped from him. Started with his coat of many colors being stripped and then with his coat in Potiphar's house being stripped as he was accused of trying to sleep with Potiphar's wife. Gets him kicked out, put into prison. Then again, he's in prison and he thinks, okay, this is not the place that I belong. I've had some dreams. I've had some words from the Lord and I didn't know what each step would look like. (laughs) But I sure didn't think it was prison. (laughs) If, it was, if the end was what I saw happening in my dream, I didn't, I didn't picture all these little valleys that, were, that I'm living right now. And he got to a place of not being content anymore in the prison. And of course, he interprets some dreams. And then even after interpreting those dreams, years later, Pharaoh brings him up and he interprets Pharaoh's dream and and it's amazing, too, that as all of that happens, you know, the, of course, the Lord gave the interpretation of the dreams, but then the wisdom and the idea for how to get them through those, they, they got through the seven plenty years, but then he had to have a plan. He had to have an idea to get through the seven years of famine. And scripture doesn't say the Lord told him that, but it was his walk with, of faith his confidence in God and the wisdom that came in walking with God that once he got to a challenge and a point like that of, man, how do I know what to do for the next seven years for an entire nation? Well, he's been walking with God, and so he has a wisdom to take this small idea and turn it into a plan and then to act on it, to take steps to see that happen. And I think one of the most, one of the coolest things about Joseph's life is how he was a, he's a type and shadow of of Christ, you know, being separated from his brethren. And something I, I was talking to my dad yesterday, something he showed me in the book of Genesis when, 
when Joseph's father is, is blessing all of his sons, he tells Joseph that he's going to be blessed because he was separate from his brothers. Because he had this life of difficulty, of struggle, that wasn't being, he wasn't raised in his father's house for the remainder of his youth, but he was separated from his brothers. But because of that, because of that separation, because of that testing, because of that trying, because of it bringing a fulfillment of his dream, he received the blessing of the Lord in that as he walked by faith each step, each step. Amen. And as I've been saying that I felt in worship today that I think we oftentimes can forget having the Holy Ghost has that same spirit, that same God in us. I was thinking of some of my heroes of faith. Many who I've not even met, I've just gotten to hear stories about or read their books or watch you know, some of their online preachings, but like Billy Cole, for those of you who may not know about him, he was a missionary and most would say an, an apostle of our times who he saw probably millions of people receive the Holy Ghost in Ethiopia and, and other countries in Thailand. And the same spirit that lived in him, that great man of faith, lives in each of us. It's not a different spirit. It's not a less powerful spirit. It's not a less able spirit. It's the same spirit. Same God. But, but I don't know if we believe that. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we always realize how blessed and privileged we are with our, our bishop. I believe our bishop is, is apostle in this time. There's numerous, numerous countries that he's been to in, in ministry, and, and he does it so under the radar, so humbly. But the same Holy Ghost that bishop has, if you're filled with the Spirit, is the same Holy Ghost that you have. He didn't get some extra portion, extra serving. But you know what the difference is, and this is, I'm not going to go all, in, all into it. I'm going to finish here, but the difference is how separated unto it, unto God we are. That's what makes the difference. I believe... Okay, okay, I'll get into it a little bit. Just a few minutes. Because we say, and I don't, I don't think we have it on our sign here just for different reasons, but you know, we say that we're an apostolic church. And I believe we are. But you know, being apostolic is not as simple as wearing a shirt that says, I'm apostolic. <laughs> it's not as simple as putting apostolic in our bio on social media or even having it on our church sign. But being apostolic means being separated unto God and being separated unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul in, in Romans chapter 1, which I, I read much of a few weeks ago, where he talks about not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's in that gospel that the righteousness of God is revealed Starting that chapter, it seems like just a small greeting, but he says, Paul, a servant of God, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of Christ. And it's interesting, as I started to look into that word, separated, it means to be separated, <laughs> separate from, to shun, Things 
And we have the, a lot of times we have the gospel part figured out. We know the death, the burial, the resurrection as we should. And I'm thankful we have the Holy Ghost that we believe in water baptism and that we do that, that we partake in that. But if we don't follow through and do the part of separation, then it's, that's, we're not being apostolic. Because, again, it, with, with apostolic, you look at the word, and literally it just means one who is sent for a specific purpose or a delegate, a messenger, sent with a specific purpose to a specific place. But what's pretty cool is when you look at that, that Greek word, the apo, apostello, that the root word apo, A-P-O, literally means to be separate. Literally part of an apostle, part of being apostolic, it's not just being sent, but it's being separated and then being sent. I don't know how that fits with everything else. But it's important. It's important that we know we should be different. Not for the sake of being different. And I've, I've fell, fallen into that trap growing up. I, I enjoyed being different, maybe too much. <laughs> But thankfully, the grace of God and the mercy of God has continued to give me understanding and say, this is why you need to be different. This is how you need to be different. Come out from among them and be separate. I'm going to read one, one chapter, or not one chapter, but one passage, and then I'll finish. you turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Start with chapter 3 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 2 says, You are our epistle, or our letter, written in our hearts, known and read of men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle or the letter of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. And then jump over to chapter 4 and verse number 3. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded the mind of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto men. You notice there it's, it's talking about the gospel, but then it turns and starts talking about the light of Christ. And I feel like the Lord gave me understanding of this because I don't know if you remember, I think it was last week, briefly when I opened and talked about um, the conversation I had with my family of being in a hotel breakfast area and just talking about what, what it is that draws people of the world to Christians and what is, there's that glow sometimes about Christians and um, obviously it's not typically a physical glow that we see shining on them, but as Elder mentioned, the joy of the Lord we, we should have. And then the manifestation of, of the gospel of Christ is not only manifested in what we speak, but it's manifested in who we are and how we live. 
again, I feel like I should say that again. It's the gospel is not only manifested in what we believe or what we speak, but it's who we are and it's how we live. Verse 3 said, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And I feel like the Lord has been challenging me with this question of what in my life or your life is hiding the gospel? What has the gospel hidden to where if people see you, you don't even, not even when you open your mouth, but if, if they just see you outside of the church, what's keeping them from seeing the gospel manifested in your life? If we're separated unto it, and it's a light that's in us, it's not even required that we open our mouth for them to witness it. But what's hiding it? What are we not separated from that's keeping it veiled from people that we interact with every day? And we have to each individually answer that for ourselves. But what it essentially boils down to is flesh. Some way or another, it's flesh. Because we are to be conformed to his death. Paul says in, in Philippians that, that I may know him, and the fellowship of his suffering, the power of his resurrection, being made conformable to his death. How do we know him? How do, we, how do we reveal the gospel of Christ through us? By being conformed to his death. Allowing his image to be formed in us. Because we are made in the image of God. Amen. just want to read one more verse here, verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jump, jump actually to verse 10. And I just want to read two verses, 10 and 11. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. And that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in your mortal flesh. That the gospel might be seen by those that we interact with, by those that we see. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Hart. Amen. Brother Timothy, if you'll go and um, put Genesis 12, verse 1 on there. I appreciate what the Lord's ministering here today. He, he gave me this passage uh, before service as well. I promise I'm not going to take very long with this. Um, I want to pull back the curtain for just a moment. If you, if you believe you are or desire to be apostolic, would you say amen? amen. 
One more time. If you believe you are or desire to be apostolic, would you say amen? amen. Good, because I want to tell you a secret. Uh, we, don't, we don't do things here like most churches do things. Um, and, and I am speaking specifically in this portion of what I even hesitate to call a service because I don't even like using that term because it projects certain um, ideas or actually I would probably say it projects certain expectations. If, if you just go out and tell anybody that you went to church service today, before they even ask you where you went to church, they have some expectations of what you probably did. You probably sat in the pew. You probably watched someone, likely male, but not necessarily male, male or female. You watched them try to deliver a message of some kind. Now, whatever else took place, maybe you shook some hands, maybe you smiled, maybe you sang some songs, maybe you gave in the offering, maybe you had money to give, but you decided to keep it in your pocket. That just happens, you know. I'm just, they, they, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just joking with you. But we have uh, expectations, and we, and by we, I'm going to say the ministry of this congregation um, is aware of those expectations, but more than we try to meet them, we try to not meet them. Or we try to make sure that meeting them is not our goal or our focus or our effort. My, my effort and our efforts as the ministry of this congregation is not to meet anyone's expectations other than the Lord's. And it doesn't take long to realize very often, the Lord has different expectations than anybody else. We just As soon as you think you got the Lord figured out, He'll teach you or show you something to let you know you're not even close yet. But keep trying because I appreciate you putting forth the effort. Now, I'm just giving you the basic idea and backdrop behind this of last night, the Lord putting in my heart to ask Elder Hart to speak today. And um, I asked him, he said yes, and this is what the Lord does sometimes, which if, if I'm not careful, it frustrates me, but I, I'm careful to not let it frustrate me. He'll, ask, he'll, he'll give me somebody else to ask to speak, and then he'll give me a message. It's like, if you would have given me that message, I certainly wouldn't have asked anybody else to speak. I would have just said, I got a message. But then he, he, he asked somebody else to, he, he has me ask somebody else to, it happens all the time with Bishop as well. He'll, he'll, he'll uh, say, you, you ask them to minister. And then it's like as, as the moment he says, okay, you're not worried about that anymore. Let me, let me give you a message. And then it becomes the pressure of expectation. Like, was I wrong in asking him to speak? Is he going to feel pressure that I don't want him to feel? Are you going to feel, and you see, we can go down this road really quickly. Um, but, and then, because I knew that I had a message from the Lord, I also start to battle with, okay, am I going to speak this before I give him the opportunity to speak? Or am I, am I going to withhold this and just sit on it and see what the Lord does? Because sometimes, th this is what happens in our church service to me is a small little microcosm of what should happen in our lives 24-7, which is seeking to follow the flow of the Holy Ghost. We don't just relegate that to the building here, okay? But in my seeking to, to follow that, I'm asking the Lord, okay, I know you got a message. You probably got one from him, and you, I know you got one from me. Who's first? Is it him or is it me? Today it might be him. Next week it might be me. I don't know. And just because it was that way last week doesn't mean it's that way this week. We always want to follow after the flow of the Holy Ghost. Now, I said all that just to give you guys, like I said, a, a little glimpse behind the curtain in case we ever should desire a ministry, an apostolic ministry in our lives. Know what you're pursuing. 
Know what your expectation is. Your expectation is follow after the flow of the Spirit of God. Genesis 12.1 says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. Verse 2 says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, make thy name great. Three words here the Lord first spoke to me. and They stood out. I will make. Everybody say, I will make. This is the Lord saying, I will make. And then I realized, oh good, this is, this is just who he is and what he does. He's the creator. He makes things. He's the, he creates things. And so even at, oftentimes in my worship, I worship him as the creator. The one that makes. I'm, I promise you I'm, gonna, I'm trying to go quickly. Genesis 1, 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created it. He made it. If you believe that, say amen. He created, but in the beginning. And then he created all the things, Adam and Eve, and, then, and life, and all the way down. I'm, I'm going to give you two, message for, two messages for the price of one right here. And by the price, I mean however much long you feel like you have to sit there is paying the price for this. I'm giving you two for one. Really quickly, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the same was, word, the same was God. I've always seen this and thought of this, but never as clearly as what the Lord gave it to me today. There's two beginnings between those two verses. Genesis 1 is our beginning. Everybody say our beginning. Not his beginning. In the beginning, he created the heaven and the earth. That was our beginning. If he hadn't created any of that, we wouldn't be here. John 1 is his beginning. What do you mean? He's eternal. He doesn't have a beginning. No, but in the manifestation of the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same, verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. So wherever God started, His Word started. And way, way down the list somewhere, He said, oh, I think I'll make heaven and earth now and make all the things that I'm going to put on it. So that's his beginning and that's our beginning. But the point of this is he is a creator. He loves to make. He loves to make. He loves to create. But here's where Brother Hart was going and I was feeling like, Lord, I know you got me a message and you got him a message. And what's our message? His, our message is what does the Lord want to make of you? It's easy to say you're the creator that makes things, and that's awesome, and I just get to enjoy them. But what the Lord is telling us today is, I will make of you. I will make of you. Brother Alberto, he wants to make of you. Brother Dean, he wants to make of you. Sister Medea, he wants to make of you. Lord, what do you want to make of me? I, uh, he told Abraham, I'll make of you a great nation. So great that of you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Hallelujah. I really want to give you a three for one right now. All families. Just say all families. All families. And out of Abraham, all families. Now, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob gets down to Israel, right? We want to say everything good from God is only for Israel, his people. No, he told Abraham three generations back, all families of the earth will be blessed because of the great thing that I'm going to make of you. Stand with me. I'm coming to a close here. But this is what I want our prayer to the Lord to be before we go today. What do you want to make of me? It's easy 
to worship you as the creator when I can say, well, you made that of them and you made this of him and you turned her from this to this. But it gets really personal. I'm not going to say difficult, but it gets really personal when you say to the Lord, what do you want to make of me? Brother Rizal, he wants to make something of you. Brother Anthony, he wants to make something of you. What do you want to make of me? I feel the Lord very strongly today saying, I will make of you something great. Brother Adam, he wants to make it of you. Not, we, not I, will make you, I will give you a front row seat to how great I'm going to make Brother Jared. Oh, that's easy. All right, good. I just get to bring my popcorn, come here and sit and watch how great the Lord is in Jared. Praise God for that. When he's on the side of you, tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I want to make that of you. I will make of you something great. Not because you're great, but because I'm the creator. And what I make, I make it great. Every eye closed, if you would. Come on, every eye closed. I want you to think of the creator, but thinking of what he wants to make in your life. What does he want to make of me? Lord, what do you want to make of me? What do you want to make of me, God? You've given me all the same things that you've given everybody else, Lord. A voice, the ability to think, the ability to understand and read and grow. You've given me that, and you've given me the time, you've given me the resource, God, to make something great of my life. I feel the call of God upon my life right now. I will give you a future. I will give you a ministry. I will give you a gift. The callings and the giftings of God, they are without repentance, and they're here in this room right now. Come on, I'm asking you, make this your approach to the Lord. What do you want to make of me, Father? However much time I have, days, weeks, months, years, Lord, I give it all to you, whatever you want to make of it, Father. This altar's open. I'm asking you, find a place and pray. Come on, let the Lord talk to you. Let, give your life to the Lord, not in just a traditional sense, but in the sense of saying, you will make of me something, Lord. You will make of me something. I lay my life down before you right now, Jesus. I lay my life down before you right now, Jesus, because I know you want to make of me. God, I know you want to reach through me. I know you want to speak through me and talk through me. I know you want to share your goodness through me, God. It's not just for me, and it's not just about me, God. It's about the work that you want to do through me. Lord, I believe it right now. I make myself available to it right now, God. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Work in me. Make in me. Create in me, Lord Jesus, that thing which you have created me for, the plan that you have for my life. I lay it down at your feet, God. I'm not trying to pursue my own way, my own direction, my own paths, Lord, but I'm laying all of that down here at your feet and asking you to create in me, Lord. Create in me, Lord Jesus. You can make of me something far greater than I can make of myself, Lord. In the name of Jesus, create in me, Lord Jesus. Work thy will be done in me, O God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm asking you to pray. This is the calling of the Lord, calling out to each one of us. Will you allow yourself to work for me to work in you? Will you allow me to work in you?
Lord, you can work in my life today. Lord, you can work in my life, oh God. Whatever you want me to be, Jesus. Wherever you want me to go, God. Whatever you want me to say, Jesus. I just desire to follow after the leading of your Spirit. productive years of your life. Come on, the Lord has preserved a work for you. He has preserved a work for you for this day and in the days ahead. Come on, it doesn't matter young or old, whatever age. I don't look at things like, Lord, what do I have to give? But I look at things like, Lord, you can do all things through me. God, you can take my life and make it anything you want it to be. There are no limits, God, to what you can do through a willing vessel. There are no limits, Jesus, to what you can do through an open hand, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm asking you to respond to the call of God that's here today. Respond to the call of God. Jesus, in your name. Lord, I submit myself to you. I want to be used in your kingdom, God. I want to be used in your kingdom, Lord Jesus. I'm not looking around me, beside me, God, at things that were, Lord Jesus. God, but I know you look at things that could be. God, you see the things in the future that you desire to do in us. Lord, and your perspective is way beyond ours. The things that you see, God, are so far above ours. Your ways are higher and greater than our ways. spirit the next step the Lord will may not reveal all the future and the great things that he has that he wants to make of you but he's calling you today to take the next step he's calling you he's he's challenging you to see will you take that step I want us to pray that the Lord would show us the step the next step come on just the simple leading of the Holy Ghost Lord, show me what you want me to do. Lord, lead me in the right direction, God. Whatever the step is, Lord God, whether it's selling an item, whether it's giving a dollar figure, 
whether it's saying yes to meet a friend, whether it's saying no to a person that's in my life, whatever is the next step, Lord God, whatever is the next step, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would lead me that way, O oh God. Lead me into the direction that you have for my life. Lead me into the, the, the future, God, that you have designed for me. I know that you will create and make of me something great, Lord, because that's your nature. I pray, God, that you would just show me the first step, Lord Jesus. Lead me in the right direction, oh God. Put my feet on the right path, Lord Jesus, so that I'm walking towards the destiny, towards the future, towards the thing that you want to make out of my life. In the name of Jesus, come on, He won't leave you or forsake you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you as you try to walk according to His leading. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank you, God, for leading me. I thank you, God, for leading me. Oh, yes, the words, the steps of a good man are ordered. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Let the Lord lead those steps today. Let the Lord lead those steps today. I give you my time, Lord Jesus. God, you've given me the same number of hours in a day as everybody else. Lord, and I know you can make something great out of that time. I give it to you, Lord Jesus. Whatever you want to do with my schedule, whatever you want to do with my days, my weeknights, my weekends, my mornings, God, I give you my time, Lord Jesus. Lord, I only have it because you've given it to me in the first place. I'm only here, God, because you placed me here in the first place. Without you, I have nothing, Lord Jesus. Without you, I have nothing, God. I surrender it all to you right now, Lord. I return it to you, Lord Jesus. Come on, are you going to be like Joseph or like the brothers? Are you going to say everything that I have is from the Lord and I'm just letting him do his thing with it? Or are you going to look on the things of others and say, that cannot be so? Come on, let the Lord put the heart of Joseph in you right now to say, Lord, you lead me. I know you will make something great of me. I know you will do a great work in my life. In the name of Jesus. You will do a great work in my life, O oh God. You've already worked to get me to this point where I am today, God. That alone is a miracle, Jesus. But I believe this is just the start. These are just the next steps, Lord, for wherever you want to take me, whatever you want to do in my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Before we go, can we just raise our hands to the Lord? Come on, this might be different for some of us, but I'm asking you to just obey as the Lord would lead us. Raise your hands to the Lord and let this be an expression of surrender. My life belongs to you, God. My life belongs to you, Jesus. Take me, Lord, and make me whatever you want to make of me. Make of me a great nation, Lord. Make of me a great witness, O oh God. Make of me a great minister, Lord Jesus. Lord, because this is your desire. This is your plan. I say yes to your plan, O oh God. I separate myself from the things of this world. Lord, the things that are not a part of my future. I want to be separated from them, O oh God. And holy unto you. Holy unto you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Amen.
encouraging you to be sensitive to the leading of God, what he's speaking today. Take the next step. Let him show it to you, and you'll be willing to take it. Amen. It would probably be even be a good idea for husbands and wives to talk to each other after service today and say, I'm ready to take the next step. I hope you are too. Whenever the Lord tells us whatever it is, we're going to take it. Amen. Amen. As we dismiss today, I want you to find somebody and say, I see something great in you. Would you do that as we're dismissed? Find someone and tell them, I see something great in you. Encourage one another with these words. Amen. Dismissed. In Jesus' name.